you. I feel very loved. Hey, before I even start, I'm just going to pray real quick. I, uh, yeah, I just want, I want the Lord to help me say what I'm going to say. So, Lord Jesus, would you be with us? Lord, would you speak to my spirit, God? Would you speak to our spirits, Jesus? Lord, I need you. Um, yeah, Lord, you said you love to use weak and foolish things, God, and right now I feel very weak and very foolish. So would you use me, Jesus? Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, welcome. I am really excited to be here. I love Thursday nights. I hope you guys are excited as well. And uh, for those of you who may not know who I am, if you weren't here last time I spoke, or if you just forgot who I was, my name is Sean. Uh, I work on staff with Chi Alpha here at WVU, and not too many years ago, I was a student like you guys and y'all seats, and God called me, kind of like Christopher was talking, to come here to West Virginia, wild and wonderful West Virginia, and I've not regretted it once. And so I love being here. Um, just some small tidbits about me. Uh, I, I have a love for learning. Uh, Katie kind of mentioned that last time I spoke. I really have a passion for preaching, and I just have this un, or insatiable hunger for chicken tenders. Um, if you know me, you know how much John, John's my boy, he's the only one who likes chicken tenders more than me, but I love chicken tenders, no, but seriously guys, I really do love learning, I love preaching, I love being able to share what God has done in my heart, and so I am ecstatic to be able to talk to you guys tonight about what Jesus is like, right, we're in this series on Jesus, and so I get to continue, so we're just going to start off by looking at our passage, but the one preface I will say is that this passage that we're going to read tonight, our passage for this evening, is a story of a best friend. In fact, this is the best story of a best friend, and we, we all have best friends, right? Yeah, some of you guys have your best friends in the room, yeah? Right, y'all's best friends, my best friends, they don't, they don't compare to this guy, right? This story we're going to read, this is the best friend of best friends, and so if you've got your Bible... Go ahead and open up to Matthew 16, verse 21 through 23, and we're going to read it together. It'll be on your screen as well. And so this is what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and then must be killed. And on the third day raised to life, Peter then took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Y'all, what a touching story of friends, right? <laughs> Listen, if you're confused, you have a right to be confused. Like, let's just stop for a second and kind of see what's going on, all right? So it says that Jesus starts to share the future with his friends. He's telling them, it's like, oh, cool, except what he tells them is, incredibly depressing and super sad, right? He's like, hey, I'm about to be wrongly accused and beaten, and then I'm going to be murdered. And you're like, oh, that's really sad. So Peter, kind of like us, was like, hey, bud, like, you know, this is, no, right? And he tries to rebuke Peter, or Jesus, and then all of a sudden Jesus is like calling him Satan. And you're like, whoa, that escalated quickly, right? Like, listen, I I don't know friends who actually seriously call their friends Satan. Like, I know people who say, like, oh, I hate you, or, man, I, I, you know, you're the worst. But no one calls their friends Satan. Like, just imagine if you heard your best friend describing you as Satan. Like, I think about Brooklyn, uh, Perky, and Andy. They're really good friends, right? 
But just imagine if you walked up to Brooklyn Perky and you said, hey, what's Andy like? And she's like, oh, Andy, she's like, she's pretty funny. She's really feisty. She's really competitive. I guess if I had to compare her to anyone, I'd say Satan. <laughs> like, no one does that, right? And for the record, I don't think that Andy is like Satan, nor does Brooklyn. Um, she is a, a sweet young lady. But guys, in this moment, in this moment, at the first glance of our passage, it doesn't seem to be the best story of a best friend. And yet, what I submit to you guys tonight is that in this moment, in this very passage, Jesus is being a better friend than you have ever been to anyone else and anyone's ever been to you. Jesus in this moment shows us that he is a better friend than we could ever be. Now, many of you guys in this room are people that I consider friends. Some of you I consider dear friends, friends that I've walked through life with who have shared struggles and you've shared with me and we've shared joys and hobbies, right? Some of you are even some of my best friends. And one of you is my best friend of best friends. And yet, the reality is, not a single one of you in this room comes close to the friend that Jesus is to me. Not one of you is as good of a friend to me as Jesus is. Now, I don't say this to be mean. I don't say this to belittle my friendship with you. The reality is, though, that Jesus is a friend that is so beyond what I or you could ever be. Jesus is the best friend that I have ever had, that I could ever have, and he's the best friend that you can ever have. And I believe that tonight he is extending his hand in friendship to us and asking us to go deeper with him. Now, as I said, our passage shows us that Jesus is a good friend. You may still be confused why, and that is okay. If you are, just stick with me. And then for some of you more uh, quick on your feet, you may already think that you've got my message figured out. But please wait, because I really do believe the Lord's going to speak to you tonight. And so tonight, we're just going to go verse by verse. I don't typically like to preach, you know, let's look at each verse, but I really do believe that this is the way we're going to lift Jesus highest tonight. So if you'll come along with me, we're going to let the Word of God reveal to us what kind of a friend Jesus really is. So we start by looking at verse 21, and this is what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And then he'd have to go on and be killed and then raised to life. Now, I know I pointed out that this seems really depressing, and it, it, honestly, it is pretty sad, right? But we can't miss what's actually going on here. You see, while this was pretty sad and kind of hard to hear for his friends, the reality is that Jesus is doing something that makes him such a good friend. And this thing that he's doing is that he's sharing his life. You see, Jesus is a good friend because he shares his life with us. So just to give you some context of this, this, this uh, passage, right, it's been about three years or so that Jesus has been healing people and doing miracles and preaching and teaching, right, and he's raising up these 12 men to be his disciples, and yet, for almost three years, he has not said a single word about the fact that the reason he ultimately came to earth was to die so that we could be forgiven of our sins, right? For almost three years, the central reason, the driving force, the underlying mission of Jesus was not spoken of. And so then you, you think, well, well, why was he silent, right? Like, why didn't he tell anyone, let alone the 12 disciples? Like, were they, were they not really his friends? 
We actually see in John 15 the reason why Jesus didn't say anything for so long. He, he describes it after the fact. And he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You see, up until this moment in time, up until our passage in, in Matthew 16, Jesus had considered the disciples to be servants, but now he's saying, because you know about my business and my father's business, you're my friends. And what I love about our passage is it says Jesus began to tell his disciples, that he began to tell them the things that he had learned from the father. It was at this point in this passage tonight that Jesus said, you guys are my friends, and I'm going to let you know why I came. You see, it's one thing if we share our lives with Jesus. He's God. Like, you just kind of talk to God. But it's another thing for him to share his life with us. You see, Jesus had no obligation whatsoever. He, he had, they, they had done nothing. They had merited nothing to have access to the very mind of God, to the very plan of salvation. These disciples, they didn't deserve to hear this, and yet Jesus says, because you're my friends, because I consider you my friends, I'm going to share with you. And what I love is that Jesus still does this with us today. You know, when I think about this kind of a relationship, this kind of, this aspect of friendship, I think about my wife, Heather. Uh, this is my wife from the day we got married, repping WV. That's because we already knew we were coming. Um, but I think about Heather, and the reason that she's my best friend on this planet She's right there, just pointing at her. The reason she's my best friend is that because, like Jesus, Heather and I share our lives in a way that we don't share with any other human being. You see, Heather and I have made a commitment not just to love each other, but to be each other's confidants and secret keepers and to share the very depths of our lives, the parts we don't want to tell anyone else. Heather and I are best friends because we share our lives in a way that no one else does. And yes, there's a physical side. There's sex. We're married, right? You get to do that one day, and it's great. And we know each other in a physical way that no one else will know Heather, and no one else will know me. But this sharing of our lives goes far beyond that. There is a vulnerability that I have with Heather where I can share these things that are so hard because I know she will not betray my trust. Because we share our lives so intimately, so deeply, and so affectionately, she has secured her place forever in my heart as the best friend I will have on this planet. And yet, as a friend, my own wife does not compare to Jesus. Jesus is and will always be a better friend to me than Heather ever will be. And the reason this is the case is because where Heather and I share this intimacy and this vulnerability with each other, Jesus goes so far beyond that. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible where I see this vulnerability of Jesus is the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before Jesus is about to die, and he's going to this garden to pray, and he lets three of his disciples come and he get close enough to hear him pray. And what do they hear? Father, I don't want to do this. Father, please, I don't want to die. If there's any other way, if there's anything else, please, just not this. This is God in the flesh. This, this Jesus, right? The, one, the only one who could save us, the only one who could secure our redemption, and he's practically begging not to do this. 
And I think about how vulnerable this is. Listen, to let people see this side of him was incredibly risky. Many of us would never want people to see that side of us. If we, if we were God, we wouldn't ever want to appear weak or small. And yet Jesus appears weak and small here. But what he's doing is he's saying, look, friends, I'm letting you see the real me. I'm sharing my life with you, even to the depths. And he still does this today. I think about the fact that Jesus shares his heart with us. When, he, when his heart is broken over the things in the world, you wonder why you get so stirred up when you see these tragedies. It's because Jesus is sharing his burdens with you, his heartache with you, and he shares his joy with you. Jesus shares his life with us today. But, and there's always a but with Jesus. But as Jesus says in John 15, he shares his life with those who are his friends. So I ask you, are you friends with Jesus? Does he share his life with you? So firstly, we see that Jesus is a friend because he shares his life with us. We look next at verse 22 and see another way that he's a better friend than any of us. Verse 22 says that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Now, guys, this was special to me. Out of all the characteristics of Jesus as a friend, this may be my favorite. And so what we have here is Peter, everybody's lovable fool, right, speaking again before he thinks, and he's trying to rebuke Jesus. Y'all, this is, this is absurd. Peter is trying to rebuke Jesus. I mean, this is the same Jesus who, if you go read a few verses before our passage, Peter called him God. Like, Peter's trying to rebuke God. Y'all, okay, listen. This would be like, just on a smaller scale, this would be like if I came up to Katie Sombrio and said, started rebuking her for worship leading and was like, hey, this is how you sing better. Y'all, I'm awful at singing. I, like, there's a rule on staff that I can't sing in public. It would be absurd if I were to go rebuke her. Or, or it'd be as absurd as if Heather went up to LeBron James and started rebuking him on how he dunks. Like, totally different leagues, right? Totally different worlds. Peter's trying to rebuke God, and you don't do that, right? And yet the reality is that in spite of Peter's silly actions... Jesus was such a good friend to Peter that Peter felt comfortable enough to approach him. You see, Jesus is an incredible friend because he is comfortable enough to approach. Now, guys, Peter was wrong. You don't rebuke God. But in spite of his mistake, Jesus had opened his life. He had shared his life with Peter in such a way that Peter could come to the man he called God himself and feel comfortable enough to even try to rebuke him. Jesus is so approachable that people were comfortable enough to come to him and tell them their worst sins, right? Like the woman at the well or Levi the tax collector. People were comfortable enough around Jesus to make mistakes around him. Like John and James trying to call down fire because someone made a little comment. Peter was comfortable enough for, or Jesus was comfortable enough for people to come who were sinners and broken and know that he was pushing them to be greater, like the, all the tax collectors and sinners that frequented the places of Jesus. Jesus was comfortable enough to approach. And when I think about this aspect of Jesus as a friend, I think about one of my best friends from uh, back in Texas. His name is Drew Disney. This is a picture of Drew. He is, uh, 
He's got a country accent. He's from Ohio. He's about six years older than me. And he was in my small group the very first year I ever led small group, right? So I'm leading this guy who's like six years my, my older. Um, and Drew is one of, one of my best friends because he's one of the easiest people that I can talk to. He is, uh, it, it's super cool how comfortable it is to talk with him. I mean, we, we can talk for, you know, we haven't, we haven't talked for a week or six months, and it's pretty much the same. I mean, the other day, I FaceTimed him, and we were both on the toilet. Like, that's... I'm not comfortable enough to do that with any of you. I not sorry, Heather. I'm not going to do that. But Drew, you know what? He he's a good friend, right? But but more than the comfortability that I have with him is the fact that or this this uh, level of you know approachability is that that Drew is someone who I'm able to confess my sins to. I don't feel weird coming to him, and he doesn't feel the same. In fact, guys, if y'all knew some of Drew's life, you would shudder. You would literally shudder at some of the hell that this man has lived through. And I've gotten to share with him some of the hell that I've lived through. You see, Drew is so, such a good friend to me because we are able to, to not just share our pains, but look, he's comfortable enough that I can cry around him. And I have no problems. I don't have to try and hold back tears because I know he's not going to judge me. He's comfortable enough to be around that we can disagree on fundamental ideas of God and do it with love and care. Drew is one of those rare friends who I feel it would be wrong to be anything but fully myself with him. But in comparison to Jesus, Drew falls so short. He falls so short. As comfortable as Drew is to approach, he is nothing compared to Jesus Drew Disney is not God. Drew Disney is a fallible human being, right? And he will and has let me down, but not Jesus. You see, when we approach Jesus, we are able to come to him even if we're wrong, like Peter. You see, it's actually cool because the reality of Christianity is that you can't come to God rightly. You can't fix yourself and then come to God. You come to God, and then he fixes you. But how does one approach a holy God? How does one approach a righteous God if we're broken and sinful? By God becoming a man. By God becoming like us. By God making himself a humble and lowly servant that we are comfortable enough to approach. And it is this, it, it is those whom Jesus calls his friends that feel this comfortableness to come to him. So then I ask you this, do you feel comfortable around Jesus? Do you feel comfortable to come with, to him when you've sinned and when you've messed up and when you're broken? Are you friends with Jesus? So Jesus is a good friend because he shares his life with us. Jesus is a good friend because he's comfortable to approach. And thirdly, we see that Jesus is a good friend because he tells us what we need to hear. We see this in verse 23. So Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now at the beginning we talked about, right, how odd it is to call someone Satan. I'm not going to call Andy Satan. That's not nice. It's one thing if it's a joke. It's another thing if you're serious. Jesus was serious here, right? So then you ask the question, well, how is, how is he a good friend if he's seriously calling Peter Satan. 
I know when I read this passage, I tend to just stop at that, and I'm like, wow, Jesus, that was, that was a little mean, right? But we got to read the rest of the passage. He, got, he calls him Satan, yes, but he also says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely your own concerns, human concerns. You see, the reason Jesus is a good friend is that in spite of the fact that he did call Peter an offensive name, is that he is telling Peter what he needs to hear. Jesus always tells us what we need to hear. You see, the thing is that Peter was wrong in his motives because he wanted to hold on to this little holy huddle, right? And he, and he didn't want that to go. But if Peter had his way, and Jesus was like, you know, you're right, Peter. Salvation would not have happened. Peter was concerned about the wrong things, and Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear because I need you to see what's right. He calls him out so that he can grow. When I think about this aspect of my friends uh, in my own life, I think about Jordan. This is a picture of Jordan. You guys all know him, so I just picked a really goofy one. He is wearing a onesie. Yes, and now Jeff owns it. Um, If it's not apparent, Jordan is one of my best friends. He has been for over six years now. And one of the things that I've loved most about my friendship with Jordan is that from the very beginning... He has told me what I needed to hear. And so I think about the very first time I was a first-year small group leader. I hadn't even started. Welcome Week hadn't even started yet, right? And I am, like, we're at our leadership retreat. It's the last night. Our, our pastor is, like, giving us the charge to go and take the campus, and we're worshiping. And I am, like, oh, you know, like, jumping up, and I'm so excited. And Jordan comes up, and he puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, hey, Sean. Hey, Jordan. And he's like, hey, man. Dude, I love you, and I'm so excited for you this year. I'm excited what God's going to do. I'm like, thanks, yeah. And he's like, I just got to say this. Sean, you you know a lot. You got a lot of knowledge. But your guys aren't going to really care about how much you know. They're going to care about how much you care about them. Love you, dude. And then he walks off. And, y'all, I started crying, like literally bawling. But I wasn't crying because the Lord spoke to me. I was crying because I was pissed at Jordan. And I was like, Man, you just, you think I'm a know-it-all, like, you're a jerk, and I mean, I kind of acted like a know-it-all, I was a punk, but I I was so mad, and then, you know, I I can't say I, like, intentionally rebelled against what he said, but I definitely did not heed any of his advice, and I was, guys, I was a bad small group leader my first year. I kid you not, I literally told people at small group to shush, because I was talking. Like, (laughs) I wanted to share my thoughts, right? Like, y'all, I was... It, the Lord had some tremendous grace and mercy. But the thing is, man, I, I, I didn't like what Jordan said, but he was right. And Jordan has always been that way with me. He's always cared more about my future than my momentary feelings. And he's proven time and again to be one of my best friends because he's always told me what I need to hear. But Jordan, like Drew and like Heather, pales in comparison to Jesus. When I stop for even a moment and look at Jordan compared to Jesus, it is no question Jesus is a better friend. There is no other like Jesus. Jesus, more than anyone else, knows who I can be. In fact, the Bible says he he has ideas and, and plans for who he wants me. To be, And with this knowledge and with this care and this concern of who he wants me to be, he says some hard things sometimes. He says, 
what I need to hear. And because he is a good friend to each of us, he will tell us what we need to hear, even if it's Satan, get behind me. You're concerned about the wrong things. You see, a shallow friend would have congratulated Peter and said, congrats, dude, you, 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 you said what you felt, man. Way to go. But a good friend, a friend like Jesus, told him what he needed to hear in order for him to grow into the Peter that we see later on in the Bible. So then I ask you, are you at a place in your life where you can let Jesus speak to you like that? Are you able to let Jesus speak to you and say the hard things like he did to, to Peter? Are you friends with Jesus? Now, I'm aware that many of you guys in this room are already followers of Jesus, so please don't think that I'm asking these questions and trying to make you question your salvation. That is not what I'm doing. I trust and believe that many of you are indeed friends with Jesus. So to you, I don't ask the question, are you friends? But I ask, are you a good friend to Jesus? Are you a good friend to Jesus? Guys, I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, when I was preparing the sermon, this question of whether I, Sean McEntee, was a good friend of Jesus, it, it, it's haunted me. If I'm going to be completely honest with myself, I have not really been a good friend to Jesus. I think about some of the smaller ways, the, the you know, excusable things. One of them, to me, that, that I think a lot of people think is excusable is, you know, I say that I value time with God. I say that I love to pray, and yet I often don't actually pray. And I know this seems small, and you're like, well, you got, you're busy, and I'm busy, and so it's kind of hard, right? But, but just imagine if you had planned to hang out with a friend of yours, right, and you'd, like, planned a place and a time, and you even send them a text, like, man, I'm really excited about this, right? And then the time comes, and all of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm, I'm really sleepy. I'm kind of tired, or like, man, this episode, I got to watch this next episode, you know, or oh, the homework that you've put off for like four weeks, you all of a sudden it's now important, right? And so you decide not to go, but the reality is you don't actually tell your friend that you're not going. And so they show up at the coffee shop or the gym, and they're like looking around, and then they text you, and you never respond. And then two or three hours later, you're like, oh, yeah. And so you text them, and you're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was playing Fortnite, and I just had to keep my win streak going. It was, it was incredible. We're like, I watched this episode of This Is Us, and it left, ended it on a cliffhanger. So you got to watch the next episode. Or like, hey, I was just really tired, so I felt like that was more important than being with you. Like, y'all, none of us would consider this person a good friend, and yet how often I have found myself sleeping through the very times I planned with Jesus, thinking lightly of my plans with him. Or I think about another thing that's, that's honestly kind of small. There's, there's a guy that I work with at the university. He's a fairly normal guy, but he comes up almost every day at work, and he looks, he comes up to my desk, looks at the mailboxes that are behind my desk, sees he has no mail, and then says, got any mail? <sighs> Guys, it's silly, but for some reason, there is something in my heart that, like, rages at this. I don't know why I get so mad. And it sounds ridiculous. But look at this. Guys, I have, I have given him looks, and I've spoken with such venom in my voice that he's actually said, hey, dude, are you all right? I know this sounds silly, but listen, the Lord spoke to me and said, Sean, the way you treat the least of these is the way you treat me. 
The way you treat your coworker is the way you are treating me. And then I think about some of the, the bigger things, the more serious things. Just recently, I was called out by a brother of mine, of mine who's actually in this room for speaking dishonoringly of one of our past small group leaders. I was actually making fun of the way that this old small group leader of ours worships God. The small group leader of ours, he, he, he was, he, he, it was noticeable that he didn't have the, most, the best social skills, right? And uh, when he worshiped God, he was very loud. But the thing was, when he worshiped God, he worshiped with all of his heart. And so this small group leader of ours that, that was here a couple years ago, he wasn't just someone I didn't know. He was a friend of mine. In fact, he became a part of our Chi Alpha because I met him four years ago on a mission trip and invited him to Chi Alpha. And yet here I was making fun of him and the way that he worships God and dishonoring him not just in front of one or two people but an entire group of our leaders. I was trashing my brother before the Lord and before others, and the Lord spoke very sternly and lovingly, not only through my brother, but when I went home, and he said, Sean, you are not just dishonoring your friend. You are actually dishonoring me and smearing my name. You are trashing and dishonoring something I find beautiful and something I take pleasure in. Y'all, I was not being a good friend to Jesus. Or think of one more thing, how I'm always trying to take credit for what Jesus does through me. I can't tell you how many times I've gone home from a Thursday night or a Sunday night and thought to myself, man, my lesson was so great. My words were so great. My sermon was awesome. I changed people's lives. And yet it is offensive to try and steal someone else's accomplishment. And Jesus has spoken to me time and again and said, Sean, do not try to steal my glory. Guys, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I am very rarely a good friend to Jesus. I struggle to be a good friend to him. And if each of us was really and brutally honest with ourselves, we'd all probably come to the same conclusion. You see, the testimony of Scripture says that man struggles to be good friends to God. Our own past experience proves to us and even our conscience in this moment is probably attesting to the fact that we struggle to be good friends to Jesus. But what a friend Jesus has been to us. What a friend we have in Jesus. Is there anywhere a friend like Jesus? Has there ever been another like Jesus? Listen, the Bible says that when we are not good friends to him, when we are unfaithful to him, that he remains faithful, that he continues to be a good friend. When we are bad friends to Jesus, he does not respond eye for eye, tooth for tooth. In fact, this is what he says. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And then what does he go and do? He lays down his life for his friends. And then we see in Romans 5 that while we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, Christ died for us. Jesus shows us, in fact, proves to us, that he, this is how far he's willing to go to be our friends. What other person would die for someone who is their enemy in order to make them a friend? What other person would give their life for someone who has been 
so bad to them? What other person has proven just how good of a friend they are? The band can go ahead and come up. And as the band comes up, I hope you guys are beginning to see that, that Jesus does not respond like us. When we're not good to him, he is good to us. The Bible actually says in Proverbs 18, 24, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And do you know who this friend is? It's Jesus. There are some of you in this room who are not friends with Jesus. You know in your heart of hearts that you and him are not friends. But the thing is, he wants to be your friend. You see, the good news message of the gospel is that Jesus came and died and rose again so that we could be friends with God. If you're not friends with him, if you're not friends with Jesus, I promise you there is no other friend like him. There is no one else like Jesus. So please don't wait. Please don't try to get everything worked out in your life and get everything fixed. He wants you to come to him broken and sinful so that he can make you into more than you could ever be on your own. And then there's those of you in the room who are like me, who are followers of Jesus. And we must stand honestly before God and say, have we been a good friend to Jesus? Is Jesus really our best friend, do we treat him as he deserves? Listen, no one treats us. No one in your life has treated you like Jesus has. Do we treat him like he deserves? I want to close tonight by reminding us of what Jordan spoke about last week. He spoke about how Jesus is a king, right? And so we have this friend, this man who became like us to make us like him, this man who sticks closer than a brother, who is also the king. This friend of ours is the God who created and maintains the universe. And friends, it is the great, there is no greater privilege. There is no greater privilege than that you or I could say we are actually friends with God and are intimate and close to the king. You see, if we're his friends, and we recognize that he's the king, then that means we're going to do what he says. In this friendship with Jesus, we are not the ones who get to call the shots. We're not the ones who get to, 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 to plan things out. Jesus has called us to be his friends and his ambassadors, and he's promised that he will not leave us, but he is the king. And because he's the king, we should come reverently before him and realize, listen, he, he's the better one and this friendship. I don't deserve to even be his friend, and yet he wants to be my friend. So in response tonight, if you are not his friend, I encourage you, become his friend. And during our worship time, if that's you, I want you to talk to your small group leader and ask them to walk alongside you as you start to become friends with Jesus. And then if you are already friends with God, then during our response time, would you ask God to examine your heart? He's not going to say this because he's vindictive or mean. He's going to say this because he loves you and he's going to tell you what you need to hear. And then ask him to forgive you and restore you and help you to be a better friend to him. Jesus, we love you. 
God, I, I never feel like I do justice talking about you, Lord. You are so much greater, so far beyond my own comprehension. But Lord, I pray that tonight your spirit, if it hasn't already spoken, would speak to those who haven't heard, God, that you are a friend above all others. Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you, would you minister to our hearts, God, during this time of worship? Would it be anointed of you, Holy Spirit? We love you, Jesus. We want to be better friends to you. Pray this in your name. Amen.